She's on her back. He's on top of her. He's got his pants down to his ankles, basic, almost down past his knees. He's got her pants down. She can see me, and I'm sneaking up behind the guy, and I'm able to put my gun right to the back of his head and tell him if he makes one more move, I'm going to blow your head off. Favorite podcast besides this one, go. I really like the first one of this. <laughs> or oh. The, the <laughs> oh, the first of this the one? The first offense. <laughs> the first offense? Yeah. Yeah, we have a repeat offender on this time. Indeed we do. You might recognize the voice from episode five, Greg's Four Rules. Greg's back. He came a few weeks after we recorded the first one. So it's been almost a year since we had him on the mic, and I don't want to say it's the best one for last, but it's a pretty darn good one for almost last, or maybe it will be the last one, I don't know, of season one. Of, yeah. Yeah, of season <laughs> of one. Of the get, season. <laughs> yeah, let's get that straight, of the season. All right, so our guest is, like we said, a repeat offender, repeat offender for the podcast. He's a 30-year <laughs> veteran of law enforcement. He worked detectives, patrol, or crimes against children. Narcotics. Right. All around badass. Tell some pretty good stories in this one. Some badass stories. Yeah. Yeah. He tells us some cowboy stories. Cowboy up. Cowboy up. So, hey, we're happy to have him back. And today is his birthday. I saw on Facebook. Happy birthday, Greg. Happy birthday. This is for you, buddy. Well, you know what? I think uh, I think we'd be remiss not to talk about the bullshit that's going on right now at this very second. Oh boy, you know, <laughs> just bringing back memories, you know. Actually, you know, I was thinking about that uh, because of the, what's going on. I was going to ask you, did you ever have to come over to for riots? At least twice. Okay. I figured you would have. Yeah. So the first one was the trees. <laughs> Remember when the big maple trees came down? Yeah. Well, we had a couple of tree situations. One was... Uh, uh, early 90s was down on the mall uh but we, there was also some trees downtown you might have been in on that one i think that was like i think maybe that was the first one <clears throat> and it seems like i got called over for or we sorry we got called over for something that happened at the university like on street, oh but okay I, yeah. but i don't even remember what that was about and yeah. uh and then i can remember being by the jail um, when we got all the new gear, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. um, but that was around the time that like all those SUVs got, yeah, they got, got torched, torched and, yeah. but yeah, I don't, I don't even remember what, <clears throat> what that was even about. <laughs> well, you know, the biggest ones that we had were like the first ones that really started the whole riot scene, uh, since, you know, the seventies was the anarchists. 
in in the 90s and that was just all out riot and i remember the first one that we had we'd had some campus riots prior to that but the real big ones were the anarchists uh where they just took over the city and if you drove by your windows were getting smashed out you i mean it was just madness and i remember the first one it was like a friday afternoon and uh starts downtown ends up moving west and and I was working violent crimes and I was listening to this because all I had really was patrol officers. And it was really before he had a mental attitude of we're going to stop this. We're going to nip it in the bud and we're going to train, train, train on riot control mm-hmm. before that. Right. So I remember myself and we're listening to this riot on the radio and they're just, you know, monitoring. You're going to monitor a bunch of felony incidents. Okay. Arsons and criminal mischiefs and the whole nine yards. So this goes on for several hours and we went downstairs. We got a car. We were lone wolves. We were not any part of any riot control team. Nobody knew we were there. We rolled up. Some guy was doing something. In the car he went and off the jail he went. Go back, do the same thing. Nice. Go back, go back. Go back. We must have had five or six arrests just, you know, in the space of a couple hours just because we were picking off guys and that didn't make any difference. I'm not saying that at all, but it pissed us off to the point that, uh, you know, it irritated us and it irritated a lot of guys. And that brought about change because command took a heavy hit for letting that go on. Not just from those that worked for them, the line people like myself, but you know, the citizens, actual citizens. Right. Yeah. (laughs) The, you know, the taxpayers, you know, they're seeing their businesses go up and get smashed. And so that changed a lot. And then it became, okay, game on, new equipment, more training, different attitude, which was the biggest thing. We're going to, we're not going to be afraid to toss gas. We're going to give them one warning and it's on. And we're going to have arrest teams. And everybody's got an assignment, you know, you're on the front line, you're an arrest team. And then, of course, those anarchist riots uh, continued. But one of the and, you know, aside from the different changes within itself, uh, you know, we brought in sheriff's office, you know, whole nine yards. It became kind of a kind of a SOP standard operating procedure when those when you knew those things were coming up. Yeah. And the difference that it made, I mean, it's it was night and day from riot one till today. six months later. Oh, yeah. I was going to say today. Well, <laughs> Friday night, I understand they let him go a little bit, which I don't find out of the ordinary. Uh, but last night, I understand that it was whatever started got squelched pretty quick. Oh, that's good. So. Let's see what happens today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a whole different. So one of the things that. Of course, the thing that started it and it being on video, of course, I haven't seen what happened prior to him getting taken down. I don't even know if there is video of that or if it's been chosen not to be released. I haven't seen that either, if there is. You know, but like like when I first started, you know, you could like hobble somebody and you basically, you know, you pitched them in the back of your car on Mm -hmm. their stomach. Right. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And then you drove yeah. him to jail and picked him up like a suitcase. And I mean, that we got taught that in the police academy. Right. You know, and then later, after people died, not by any of our hands, but that was like, hey, you need to, if you're going to hobble him, that's fine, but you need to transport him sitting up because the positional as- asphyxia, mm-hmm. as well as then when Or at least on their side. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or, you know, and then when tasers came out, um, you know, guys are dying from excited delirium exactly. not getting tased mm-hmm. and uh but also like you hook a dude and get off of him as soon as you can right it's, yeah and you know and that was i can't tell you how many years ago that that was the case and so like that's i don't understand no i've the, never seen any training where you put a your knee in the guy's neck. Right. I don't know about you, Scott, but one thing I always remember, and it doesn't really matter what uh, type of defensive tactic or arrest tactic you're using, you don't mess with the neck. Right. And, uh, I mean, originally we were taught the sleeper hold way back when. Um, I never used it. I never found that it was, it's almost got to be a perfect situation to use something like that. I mean, things have to be, guy's got to be in the perfect position and so do you and it was just so i never used it and eventually that went away uh you know after portland kept killing guys with sleeper holds right so um and that wasn't long into my career anyway but as far as you know any strike to the neck uh any control hold with the neck there's nothing to do with the neck. I saw that, and I'm like you. I haven't seen any video of anything else but the guy with, but the officer with the guys with his knee on the guy's neck. That's all I've seen. There, yeah. Where where I was going with that is like, so I've been, you know, like all over the country, mm-hmm. and there is a distinct difference in the level of West Coast law enforcement training than there is with East of the Mississippi. Oh, I believe a that distinct distinct difference yeah. like and money too i mean you can't uh i know a guy that works for a police department that had a riot this weekend on the east coast in the south and he doesn't get paid i don't know exactly what he gets paid salary wise but they are allowed to work as a bouncer in uniform at bars oh yeah that's that's common and they get paid cash yeah. Yeah. Like that, like from the bar owner, mm-hmm. you know, at whatever the rate is, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and a perfect recipe for, and I'm not saying this guy is at all, but a perfect recipe for having things not be right. Oh, there's no question. You know? Yeah. You know, the back East or anywhere, I guess, but the West Coast. It's common for these cops to have second jobs because they're not making anything. Right. And a lot of them, as I understand it, are bouncers at bars, you know, or they do some security gig or something like that. But when you've got guys that are working two jobs to make ends meet, what kind of people are you going to get walk through the door and fill out the application? Oh, right. Like five years ago, um, Savannah PD, which is not the police department I was talking about, I think they were hiring guys at... And this is like three, four, five years ago. 
$36,000 a year. Yeah. I mean, give me a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's not any kind of money to get spit upon and, mm. you know, shot at and sued and all this other shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you're not going to get rich being a cop, but it is a job that has pretty good perks, you know, if you're in the right place. Oh, yeah. Generally, the West Coast is pretty good. I mean, you get your, your, medical your dental and the whole nine yards and and uh you know it's a good deal and and money wise i never thought we were paid badly but you work in a place where you need another job to get by and maybe you're buying your own equipment all right yeah you know there's still apartments departments to make their officers buy their own guns their own body armor you know things like that and being out here that that's just insane to me it's just absolutely foreign when i started you got issued a 357 and mm. they were like, here's your gun clunk, you know, right. and then, you know, go buy yourself something else. I did, did you have a so, choice? Then, oh yeah. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. I could, yeah. It had to like hit certain criteria, but yeah, I had, had to bought myself a Glock 21. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we were issued Smith and Wesson model 66s, which are 357s. However, we were only able to shoot 95 grain, 38 caliber ammo. Oh, right hollow points and those basically just bounced off people it was a joke we were totally outgunned you know we had all those shootings you know way you know way back when when they had like five in one year actually we're talking about this right Mm, yeah um i remember that they told me that the reason they stopped carrying in a 357 was because it was going through everything. <laughs> would go through a car and a guy and go back out. <laughs> so they went to start carrying plus P's, you know, and that seemed to do the job <laughs> until they, until people switched, you know. So yeah. Huh. Well, we went to the. You know, the SIG 220, the 45 caliber for years and years. And, and uh, you know, I was very happy with that with that particular weapon. Uh, it's my understanding now they're transitioning to the 9 millimeters, but I don't know any specifics as to what, what they're going to. Yeah. So you said last time after we le- after you left, you thought a bunch of a bunch oh, of I did. good stuff. Yeah, well, I thought, uh, you know, I was thinking about some stuff. And, and I remember you started off with... That whole last uh, interview with, you know, tell me a funny story. And um, <laughs> see, I remember. He doesn't. <laughs> I have to go back and listen to it again. Um, so, you know, I, you know how things pop up in your head when you just hear a word yeah. or something weird. I thought of this one incident and, and uh, I probably hadn't thought about it in years. But uh, when I did, I made a note. It was, I was working, uh, uh, narcotics. There was, uh, I had this, I had this case where, um, you know, normally what you do is, you know, if you had an informant, you, you know, they could get you, they could buy you dope or something, you know, they'd go buy the dope and you'd write a warrant and go hit the place. And so, you know, we usually had them do a couple of buys, um, before we did the warrant, make sure it was legit. So I met this informant one day and, you know, all informants are a little wacky. They're always in it for either they want to get paid or they're working off a deal or working off a crime or something, you know. This guy was in it for the money. 
And don't get me wrong, we didn't make people rich. Snitches don't get rich. And so he's telling me about this place and it's a business, right? It's down the street from the mission, if you know where that's at. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's this business, it's, it's between chambers and the, and the mission. And uh, it's like this car repair place or engine repair or something. It's really nondescript. I don't even remember if it had, had a sign. But he said one of the employees there was selling meth, right? So, okay. So he's never done a buy for us before. So one of the things you do with these informants before you before they make the buy for you is you pat them down, you make sure they got nothing in their pockets because the only thing you want them going in their business or in this location to go buy dope is your money. Mm-hmm. So you can't say, and you got to watch them, you got to watch them go in, you got to watch them come out. So you can't say, oh, you know, uh, he stopped here, could have got the dope here. You know, whatever you gotta. You only want money going in. You only want dope coming out. We're parked down the down the street. I'm patting the guy down. And his empty. His pockets are empty. I give him the money. He goes. And we watch him go in. It's not like a minute later he comes out. And I'm like, that was pretty damn quick. But you know, sometimes they're quick. Sometimes they bullshit and have a beer for a while, and you think this is going on too long. So you know, whatever. He's coming back to the car, and he's he's not walking, but he's moving at a pretty good clip. And I'm thinking, eh, usually they're a little more laid back, you know. So he gets in the ride. I say, did you get the dope? He says, the guy wasn't there. Okay. Well, I got this portable radio. So I remember it's sitting on the seat between my legs, right? And I'm on the detective channel. But the alert tone goes off, and it goes off on all channels. And it's when something big happens, you know, something big. And sure as shit, robbery just occurred, goes out at the place the guy was just at. Suspect description is him. (laughs) (laughs) And I pull my gun. I reach back and I turn around to the back seat because at this point, I'm peeing my pants because I'm thinking, did I miss a gun on the pat down? I'm less pissed about him pulling a robbery than I am at myself because I I may have missed something. So I stick my gun in this guy's face. He's crunched down in the seat. I'm, ba- I'm basically, I crawl from the front to the back seat, get on top of him and uh, pull my hooks and hook him up. And I'm patting him down like, and the only thing coming out is the money I gave him, right? Nothing. Well, it turns out he goes in and had simulated a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> so that made me feel a lot better. But that's one of those, you know, at the time, I was scared shitless at what a mistake that I'd, you know, possibly made. And then I was pissed off at the guy. 30 minutes later, I'm laughing my ass off. (laughs) (laughs) Because how often is it you're the getaway car for some guy that just pulled a robber? (laughs) I don't know what the guy was thinking. And I, I remember asking him specifically, I said, how'd you expect to get away with that? And he goes... I didn't think detectives listen to the radio. They never listen to the radio on TV. <laughs> that reminds me of a great no pad down story. You know, is there such a thing? Yeah, there is oh, because okay. it didn't happen to me. Because oh, it didn't happen oh, to me. Okay, but the le- the leading up to it is really fun. So, you remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he was a guy that got hit by a truck or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And it, his face and I, was like over here. Yeah. And then I down here, I mean, yeah. it was all messed up. Yeah, his his face. I was didn't like, know he ever made it. To- 
yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so he moves, I guess moves. And you know, the thing was, is this is what I think. I think the guy got like a big disability check every month because he was never, he did. He told me that. Oh, is that right? Mm -hmm. But he was drunk as shit, like all the time. And it was always in the afternoon. He started in the morning and then anyway, so we're, and I was the primary unit and they got called as a trespass. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's like one o'clock or whatever. And we walk in and it's him. And they're like, hey, he's causing a problem. And so we do the, well, do you want him arrested or do you just want him to leave? And they're like, we just want him to leave. I'm like, perfect. So I'm like, hey, David, they want you to leave. And he goes, I got to use the bathroom first. And I'm like, fine. You know, he goes, I'll be right back. And they're like, that's fine. <laughs> he walks, he walks by this high top of these two women and walks up to this one woman and goes, I want to fuck you in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> and he would too. I know. <laughs> he almost got the voice down right too. That's so exactly how he sounded. We're like, did it do the head? It was like, Jesus Christ. We grab him, you know, and drag him outside and like, get the fuck out of here. And so he, he's not detoxable. So yeah. yeah. Yet. Yeah. Yet. So give him an hour. Yeah. So he, he's on his way <laughs> and, uh, he, so the next time around, I'm splitting the district with this other guy. And this time he's passed out across the street. He is passed. He is detoxable at Dairy Mart across the street. So he um, gra grabs him, you know, and picks him up. And we pick him up and his pants fall down, you know, and his, get his, you know, his pee stained tidy white, as you can see. Yeah. And we pull his pants up and basically throws him in his car, doesn't handcuff him or any, anything. And, oh. uh, we drive over, I, we drive together to the Buckley house. I follow him over, gets out of the car, trips, falls on his face. He's wearing a coat and an entire bottle of wine <laughs> shoots out of his coat and across the parking lot <laughs> after he trips and falls on his face. And which of course, you know, leads is hysterical at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say I, I was just like you know he didn't really say much but like i guess that's why we should search people before we put them in the he's car, lucky huh? you know if that was me my luck airs would have tripped fallen on the bottle it would have cut the crap out of him yeah, yeah. it would have been a trip to the hospital <laughs> yeah yeah that's what would have happened to me too <laughs> yeah but you have the voice down really good. It was so funny. I want to fuck you in the ass. <laughs> I was like, oh man. He would do that too. He'd say the weirdest things just like out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, he'd be carrying a, a conversation with you and then all of a sudden it's like another brain started working in there. <laughs> Did you deal with him a lot then? Oh, we, we dealt with him daily. I, I don't, that's why I'm surprised he made it to you. Okay. I thought he was just the No, he, you know, he would occasionally, we'd occasionally run into him and then and then I think he moved to, maybe. Really? Yeah, I, th I really think so. Like, it seems like maybe I saw a check on him or something like that, or mail. But, and then he suspiciously drowned in the river. That's right. Yeah. Like all these transients drowned. And that was a guy that was never by the river, as far as I knew. Like, I never ran into him by the river. He was all over, you know, 
and you could actually say he was near the river because he was always on the uni- either uh, university side or um, area. So he wasn't that far, at least. Uh, he never made it anywhere else other than those two areas. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he was a piece of work. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was a piece of work. Every time I looked at him, I was thought, man. You try to imagine what he looked like before the train smacked him. Oh, is that what it was? A train? Yeah, it's my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trains really... win. Yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, actually, one thing I, was, I, I, I did think about was, um, you know, it was since the our last uh, t- last time I was here, um, and they were asking me, what did I learn as a cop that I actually take with me today that I still use today? Geez, there's a million things, man. I mean, I didn't park in front of your front door or your front window when I rolled up. Um, if you don't open the door for me, I'm not standing right in front of that door. I mean, I still stand to my friends. I'm off to the side of the door. That's funny. I do that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, sit in a restaurant. <coughs> I know where the exits are. Um, and it's it's not that I. Personally, like I'm thinking about that all the time. It's, it's habitual, habitual. Absolutely. Before I stopped, my seatbelt came off, um, because I'm ready to bail out in case I have to. Um, I still do that, you know? Um, but you know, you probably learned things that nobody, no cop ever told you about that you kind of just got on your own and, one of the things that I learned was when you go to a location, I think anybody can use this. When you go to a location or a house you've never been to before, and you don't know anything about the people you're dealing with, you know what I always did? Took a look at the reading material. Oh, inside the house? Inside the house. Yeah. That'll tell you a lot about people. You know? And it might give you, depending on the interests of these people, an end to like, how to talk to them. Um, if you got some, if you go to some house, we've all been to the house that had nothing but a national Enquirer in it. Yeah. And we've been to the houses that had runner's world, you know, triathlete magazine, you know, um, or maybe all they have is a red guard or, you know, different, whatever the reading material is or the books they have. You know, you're walking around the house. Take a look at the books, man. If it's the Communist Manifesto or, you know, Mein Kampf, that's going to tell you something. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I never thought about that, but that is something that you completely take in when you look at, you know, everything in somebody's... Yeah, I always took a look at the reading material if I didn't know the people, you know. Um... You walk into some apartment on campus, Playboy, High Times. You okay? All right. You're a typical college kid. Um, you know, but I still do that today. I may have told you this or not, but, you know, I volunteer for CASA. Yeah. And if I'm going to a new place, a uh, new foster home or something on a checkup, I still look at the reading material. If I see something strange that the foster parents are reading, I might ask a few more questions. But I still do that. I go to my mom's house and see what she's reading. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I learned to be able to 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 be able to get an idea on what kind of surrounding I was in right away by just taking a glance. A lot of times, it it told me what buttons not to push. Sure. Yeah. In terms of, we're just going to avoid this whole conversation. Like, what what would be an example of that? Uh, politics is a big one. Right. Yeah. Um. Uh, I never spoke about that anyway. Whether uh, I was on an agreeable side or not, um, just avoid that. But yeah, like the National Enquirer. You don't. I, I can't tell you how many houses I've been to that have the National Enquirer sitting there on the f- coffee table in front of the TV. <laughs> Now that you mention that, I can like I'm having flashbacks of all the national inquirers I've seen. <laughs> yeah, and if you were to actually analyze the kind of people you were probably talking to, it made a lot of sense at the time. Yeah, it totally did. Yeah, so you know, if I see the national inquirer, I'm not going to get into the you know the UFO discussion or <laughs> you know the conspiracy about did Robert Wagner actually kill his wife Natalie Wood you know by dumping her off the boat I'm not going to get into that it's just, it's a wasted conversation for me um you know but uh or you know you see a guy that's got uh you know soldier old fortune or guns and ammo hey there's guns in the house okay oh yeah stand by so you know don't turn your back on the guy Especially if you might be, you know, arresting them or something. Um, but, yeah. What got you to start doing that? You know what? There really wasn't... It, it was one of those things where it just kind of dawned on me one day. And to be honest with you, I'd probably been a cop about... Hmm. Were you still a patrol officer when you picked that no, up? No, you know what? It was actually when I was working... Okay. And I get tired. Of it. it was every house was was high times. Every house was high times. You can be a meth dealer. You had high times, right? And you had porn. Meth dealers and meth addicts. The porn was incredible. Amazing porn. Oh, geez, Louise! <laughs> Disgusting porn. I mean, yeah. If, if I tell you'd be just editing. And editing. Oh, no, no. We're um, definitely, there's one videotape I definitely want to talk about, but go ahead. Okay. So remind me, remind me, we're going to talk about that videotape. Yep, the porno <laughs> tape, got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the one porno tape your dad's watched. No, no, no. I think you've seen it too. Oh. Like, I haven't seen it. I've only heard about it. Well, yeah, it was actually, and I thought, okay, man, I'm seeing the same shit in the same type places. Okay, all right. Well, when I got back, back, back to patrol, I kind of took that whole thing with me. Like, what am I going to see that's different? And I started analyzing what I was seeing as compared to the people I was talking to. All right? And it always fit. I mean, if it was soldier, soldier of Fortune and Guns and Ammo, it was Mr. Right Wing gun owner with the confederate flag and the went back window of his truck i mean it was it was always that if it was you know some commie bs it was you know the opposite and it the national Enquirer. it was a weirdo and it just always worked it always fit and i just came to, to be able to 
you know, look at the, look at the reading material. And if there was no reading material, that told me something too. Okay. That'll tell you something too. Um, maybe they're not that literate, at least in, if there's no reading material, no newspaper, nothing. Look on the refrigerator. There's not even a, a grocery list on that. <laughs> Apparently I'm illiterate. <laughs> no, I hide my shit well. <laughs> well, with phones, it's all on phones now anyway. So. Yeah, but uh, it just, everything always seemed to fit. And um, I would, I ended up telling new recruits this too. And they're like, took them a while to kind of figure it out. I said, okay, we're going to this house. What do we look for? We look for weapons. Watch their hands. Take a glance at the reading material. I love that. And, you know, we get done with a call. I said, what'd you see? And I saw magazine A and B. Did that fit? Oh, yeah. It fit. <laughs> um, what other notes you got on your phone there? Oh, let's see. Get too close to the... I'm just trying to think now, like, what's in all the meth dealers' houses now that there's... Porn's all digital. Like, we're, what reading material do they have now? That's a good question. I bet they still have uh, magazines and such because not all these guys are smart enough to turn on a computer, let alone. You know, meth, meth cooks, they're not, you don't have to be smart to cook meth. These are, this, that whole breaking bad thing. I know that was a real popular show and everything. I get it. You guys probably liked it. 99% of the U.S. did. But I got through about the first six episodes. I actually I tried to watch it, right? It, it just didn't pop with me because smart guys don't cook meth. I agree. Even, even like the, the tweakers that they'd had in it, like the ones that were home cooking the meth and mm. doing the meth and everything from what I've heard it sounds like or it looked like um, they played it down they were lot. pretty cleaned up I yeah. thought too cleaned <laughs> up um, yeah I, I I couldn't relate to that show um, these these meth labs are just some of the nastiest places you've ever been into um, I'm sure you've been in them oh yeah you don't have to be a chemistry teacher <laughs> to cook meth. You know, if it was really hard to do, there wouldn't be nearly as much of it around, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of the dumbest people are walking on the face of the earth can cook meth. Speaking of TV shows, so and not being able to get through even five minutes of it, did you watch The Tiger King? <laughs> There are some train wrecks you can't take your eyes off. Oh, is that one of them? That was one of them. Really? I couldn't do it. I, I No, I don't blame you. Like, same same reason. I like I, I watched, like, maybe five minutes of the first one, and I was like, I've seen this too many times. Mm -hmm. There weren't tigers involved. Right. But. Yeah, it's just know. that whole type of person. Yeah, and I yeah. turned it off, and I haven't, I've seen, so I've seen maybe five minutes, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. My favorite part of that was when boyfriend number two. Shot himself in the head. You know, he's a meth freak. Did you guys see it? No, I saw it. Okay. I think it's like episode, I don't know, three or four or something like that. It's all meth related. 
And these are the kinds of people that are doing meth, not the breaking bad chemistry professor. <laughs> these were the, if you want to see meth people watch the tiger King, it, it, it's all meth. <laughs> you look at anybody in that show. Yeah. See, to me, that was more realistic. <laughs> as weird yeah. as it was well it must have been because i couldn't watch it so i mean that's how realistic it was yeah, <laughs> yeah. right i don't blame you i wouldn't have watched it i wouldn't even have turned it on but my i don't know for some reason my my daughter talked me into it in some moment of weakness on my part i'm sure <laughs> we had this dude run into uh actually had a guy run into a house on uh I don't know. It was like right across the border, you know, from we booted the door as a courtesy. Sure. And, um, which you guys always did was, was there. And, uh, so we'd go up and actually was there too. You know, we were all at the time, really good friends. And so we go in and we, I don't know, your, your guys like found him in a closet or we found him under the bed in a bedroom, whatever it was. So, EPD hooks him up. And so now there's the three of us, right? We're standing in this bedroom and like, you're going to write a supplemental report on that or what? And I'm like, your problem. Like, sounds like your problem to me. Why don't you just have your guy and officer James, you know, like booted the door. Mm -hmm. It's like one sentence, just have him at it. (laughs) (laughs) So those guys, they start looking around and I'm not shitting you. 45 seconds goes, it's all about the little things. He opens up this this like two by two like tall wicker basket like hamper thing. Mm-hmm. He opens it up and it is full of dildos, and sex toys, and everything mm-hmm. else. <laughs> oh, he picks yeah. one up. He picks one up. He says, "It's all about the little things." Of course, he picked up a giant one. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably probably didn't even have gloves on. Oh, he did. Yeah, I remember yeah. he had those big. We used to buy those big. Uh, those thick leather gloves. I remember he was wearing those. And yeah. I was just like, how did you do that? <laughs> how did you know? He's like, yeah. <laughs> That's where I had mine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that one of the, yeah, that, that reminds me of something I thought of. Um, I had the sex case come across and I got this call from uh, like Las Vegas PD and uh, they had, arrested a guy for having sex with an underage gal in one of the hotels there. Yeah, big shock, right? So, but the gal came from, she lived in, and uh, she ends up getting transported home. And uh, she does the, you know, the interview at the kids first. And puts out, you know, what had happened. Mom's boyfriend. It's always mom's boyfriend. And uh, mom's boyfriend took her down to Vegas. And, uh, had sex with her, pimped her out. So she says it's been going on in too. And, you know, had sex with him X amount of times. And so do search search warrant on the house, right? And I'm doing the search warrant for evidence of prior sexual contact between the adult male and the female. And in this case, what she described is um, penetration with dildos in addition to intercourse but penetration with dildos and other assorted toys um watching um you know porno videos and things like the normal stuff you'd look for in a case like that 
And so write the search warrant for the house. We, we hit the house and the only one there, you know, dad, uh, the suspect, mom's boyfriend, he's already in jail down in Nevada. So uh, I don't have to worry about him being there. Daughter's now in the foster situation. And the only one's probably going to be there was mom. And she is pissed off. She's pissed off at the police for getting the search warrant coming into her house. She's pissed off at her daughter for ratting out her boyfriend. And she's going to really be pissed off at me because I'm going to take basically a whole bedroom full of evidence because it was just chock full, right? So we end up taking all this stuff and there must have been 50, 60 dildos or vibrators, sorted toys. Jesus. And we load this stuff out and we're taking it and I got the last bag of dildos. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in the middle and it is just, it's, it's in this disgusting part of town anyway. I'm in the middle of the street with this big old bag of dildos. I'm walking to the car. We left her receipt. We'd done all that weird stuff, you know. And she comes out, standing there with these dildos. She comes out, stands out in the middle of the street. She starts screaming at us. You motherfuckers are taking all my goddamn dildos and vibrators. How the fuck am I supposed to get off? (laughs) (laughs) This is like about noon, right? (laughs) And people are standing out because they know the cops now. They've seen a couple of blue and whites when we initially hit the place. They know the cops are there. These people are just laughing their ass (laughs) off. So, you know, we leave... She can't contain herself on the way back to the department. She's just, she's just laughing. And I mean, it was everything that I think it was everything she'd hope to see a woman say to me. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, dildos, marital aids. Yeah. Marital aids. (laughs) Is that what they're called? Yeah. Marital aids. (laughs) That's what, that's what you write on the evidence sheet. (laughs) <laughs> you write marital aid and then in the description dildo 13 inch <laughs> or marital aid vibrator you know whatever but I did not know that I yeah. learned something that I yeah, yeah. yeah you gotta you know you gotta you know you gotta know any differences between dildos and vibrators the uh, well yeah I mean so I was wondering this uh, after we did the last one, but I never got around to asking it. What got you to going into sex crimes or sex crimes and child abuse? You know, it was really a, a situation where I wanted to, you know, learn something new, gain an expertise in something else other than, you know, dope or patrol. You know, I was working, uh, you know, that particular unit. It's it's not just sex crime, but it's homicide. It's you know, it's uh, robberies. You know, any any uh, felony assault, um, you know, basically felonies against persons. So it wasn't, you know, specifically sex crimes, although that was the vast majority of the cases, but it was really just a point in your career where you want to, um, experience something new. I wouldn't say that, uh, I went into it with the idea that, uh, I was going to have a good time doing it. 
But I will say, though, that I'm glad I did it. And, you know, I love putting the guys away for it. I mean, that's a good day. You throw somebody in jail for victimizing somebody who can't defend themselves, that's a good day. And so I was lucky to have a lot of good days. That's why I stayed with it, though. Yeah, because you did that for like a long time, didn't you? For a while, yeah. Yeah, I did that for about uh, seven years. Okay. Yeah. Never felt bad about putting one of those idiots in in jail. Oh, yeah. Never did. Yeah. Sometimes you can throw somebody in jail and you kind of feel, yeah, wish maybe things could have been different for the guy. (laughs) Not sex offenders or child abusers. Nope. Nah. Nah. I can't get there. No. Is that what kept you doing it? Because you're dealing with like the scum of the earth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, the. I uh, guess what kept me doing it was that, to be honest with you. I just liked knowing that they were going to be in prison longer than I was going to be a cop. There's still some guys there now. Um, but yeah, I like throwing people in jail who who deserve to be there and I can't think of a better type of crime to throw somebody in jail for. Um, even in a homicide, sometimes you can understand why the guy ended up dead. A case where there is a true victim who can't protect themselves, whether it's a kid or, you know, anybody yeah, you put those cases down. That's a good day. It's a real good day. You're doing God's work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, sometimes you think that. Yeah. Well, like somebody's got somebody's like, to do it. Make right what got fucked up. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I might be the only cop you hear this from or ex-cop, retired cop that you hear this from. But when it comes to the death penalty, if they were to include... You know, child molesters, I'd have no problem with that whatsoever. They're like rabid dogs. We we talked about this last time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, sex offender treatment, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we so, did talk about that. We did talk about that, yeah. <laughs> actually, you know, uh, and not a lot of cops can say this. I don't know a lot, but I actually uh, discovered it happened on to a, a, a attempt rape in progress one night or one day. Oh, really? And, I mean, that's like, if you're your patrol guy, that's like a touchdown, a grand slam. All in one, man. I mean, at least it was for me. I'm just walking down the street. I forget this. It was three days. Three days after I was out of narcotics. Just on patrol? Yeah. Okay. And I'm on patrol. And they got me on day shift. And I go to this call. And it's just, I don't even remember what it was. Some stupid day shift call. And I'm walking back to my car. Then I hear this woman screaming. All of a sudden, and I know it came from this house that is kind of same side of the street I'm walking up on. So I kind of, I get off the sidewalk. I kind of start creeping along side of this house and I see a door that obviously leads to a kitchen because the door has, it's got, it's like half window, half door, right? I see one of the panes is busted out. Now we're getting a call of a woman screaming that basically in the area of my location. I said, I got a woman screaming in, and I give the address, right? So this woman screaming, it's one of those things where, you know, they'll, you know, wait for your cover. 
You hear somebody screaming on the other side of a door? Sometimes you just gotta cowboy up. You don't wait. There's different kinds of screaming. And this was one of those that this person was not comfortable. And then when you see the, the, the forced entry on the door, I go in and I can hear the screaming. The screaming continues. I'm inside and I'm inside the kitchen, right? And I'm you know trying to be quiet. And I can look through the kitchen. So I get a partial view of the, the living room, okay? And all I see on the floor are four feet. Uh, two, two feet on top of two feet. So looks like he's on top of her is what I assume. Make my way to the living room. And he's facing away from me. She's on her back. He's on top of her. He's got his pants down to his ankles, basic, almost down past his knees. He's got her pants down. She can see me, and I'm sneaking up behind the guy, and I'm able to put my gun right to the back of his head and tell him if he makes one more move, I'm going to blow your head off. That's exactly what I told him. He comes up off of her, hook him up, and somewhere in five of us, they got a picture of his ass laying there completely naked with his pants down, hooked up. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, she had been able to, right before I had gotten to the scene, uh, dial 911. And that's all she was able to do. Because we found the phone, and it was off its cradle. Dispatch was able to hear her scream. They were able to hear everything that happened, including everything I said, you know, for like the next week, I got free coffee from every <laughs> call taker, dispatcher, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, you don't, you, you don't get a lot of, uh, attempted rapes in progress that you happen on to. It's really, I mean, it's, it's pretty rare. Yeah. It's rare to roll up on a, on a robbery in progress. If you, you know, without, you know, being dispatched to, to one of those, I had two of those in my career. Two attempted rapes or two attempted robberies? Two robberies, yeah, that I rolled up on. Uh, you see the guy coming out the, the front door and you know something's wrong. And that's exactly what it was. But I had two of those in my career. Both were in the same week. Really? <laughs> Strange. That's nuts. And both were like within the last year and a half of my career. Really? Yeah. Yeah. One was a motel. The other one was uh, an adult bookstore downtown. Huh. Yeah, you got to be in the right spot, right time, man. I mean, it's it's one thing to hear that call go out of you know a robbery just occurred near and there, and all of a sudden you see some dude running down the street and you take him down. I mean, that's it's one of those good days. So know? is that what happens with the motel? You said the first one's a motel. Yeah, one was a motel, and um, I'm I'm rolling down the I'm driving down the road, and I see this dude run out the door and nobody runs out the door of motel lobby. As I pull into the, to the uh, driveway, he sees me and you get that look, you know, that they give a cop after they've done something really bad. <laughs> it's a universal look like, you know, I'm fucked. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I don't even need to like ask him what's going on. At that point, I know what's going on. Because I bail out of the car, and now I got a clerk yelling at me from behind. He's just robbed me, and I was able to, I was thinking, yeah, I just kind of figured that out. (laughs) 
So yeah, I take him down in the parking lot. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the other one was adult bookstores, really kind of the same type of situation. Um, nobody runs out of business unless they've done something inside that business yeah. that wasn't good. Um, I imagine there's a particular kind of run as well. Yeah. Yeah, there really <laughs> is. You know, you, uh, you know, the difference between the dude that's out for his midnight job <laughs> And that whole, I'm running to get the fuck out of here type of deal. Yeah. There's also clothing difference too. Yeah. That's, that's the other thing I was yeah. thinking. I was like, I don't think that dude's running out with running shorts. No, or anything no, no, like no, no, that. no, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, I thought I'd never get one of those, you know, and uh, two in one week. I thought, what the hell? Need to buy a lottery ticket. A goddamn legend is what you are. <laughs> yeah, no, no, <laughs> no. I just got lucky. That's truly what it was. It's about time the luck turned for me in terms of the the robbery in progress. Something I'd always wanted to get on my own without a call going out or without some prior information. You know, you might get information some guy's going to pull a robbery and you got to stake out or something. But just to go from zero info to all of a sudden, yeah, you know, code three. You know, code three mode. It's uh, it was fun. What other kind of shit have you happened had happen right in front of you? Oh, well, oh. yeah, you know, so I got to shoot a guy once outside of a bar. I was doing a report outside the a bar at. Uh, see these two guys come out. They looked like they were ready to square off. I'm thinking, okay, we're gonna be there's gonna be a fight. I'll sit here and watch them and wait for the rest of the cowboys to show up and. All of a sudden, dude pulls this gun. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's gone from or something that I thought was going to be a entertainment. Entertainment. <laughs> uh, you know, I was going to watch for a little bit. A gentlemanly fight. A gentlemanly fight. <laughs> you know, your basic disorderly conduct arrest. And uh, to yeah, oh well, yeah, let the air of the guy one shot. No kidding. Yeah. Guy was probably dead before he hit the ground. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. So then what? I mean, I probably know what happens, but tell us what happens after that. Oh, uh, yeah. You like know, you're I was, taking a report and. What's that? I said you're taking a report. You see these two guys fight. One dude smokes another dude. What do you do? Actually, they hadn't even started fighting yet. Oh. That's just what I assumed it was going to be. Oh, okay. And uh, so they square off. They kind of face each other, and, and uh, they look like they're not getting along. So I'm thinking, okay, it's a fight. Nope. So one dude reaches down. He's had like this uh, briefcase or a knapsack or something, some type of container. Reached in, pulled a gun, killed the guy. And so, you know, I end up, uh, <laughs> I go up there, you know, take him down. And the guy wants no part of me. He's like, I mean, so he's so, just so matter of fact, he puts the gun back in the, the knapsack. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, no big deal. It really wasn't a dangerous thing for me looking back on it. It was, you know, it was one of those things, you know, you get your blood pumping. It's not often you see one guy kill another guy right in front of you right. that you're not planning on. But you know, most of the stuff you see that happens right in front of you is just weird stuff. You know, was that during the day? Was that another day shift? That was in like graveyard hours. Okay. Yeah. Late, late night. 
you know, you get a lot of guys, the, the weirdos, you know, the guys standing in the middle of the street masturbating while directing traffic or something. <laughs> um, you know, you have a story like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, that actually has happened. Yeah. Guy out there, he's on acid. And with this guy's on acid, you know, they always get, for some reason, they, they get hot and they always take off their clothes. Okay. Yeah. I'm not oh, kidding. They get naked. You yeah. said something about excited delirium. I heard something earlier about that's like a part of it. Getting really Intense body heat. Taking off all yeah, your clothes. Yeah. 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 The guy had taken off his clothes. He's directing traffic and, you know, jacking off at the same time. And I was... I'm at the corner because I know these guys like to fight too. I, the LSD guys I've had, they've always been fighters and they'll do weird shit. And you got to really be careful because they'll, they'll try to fight you and then they'll try to hurt themselves. They, they are just nuts. Um, so I said, Hey bud, you know, kind of, you know, officer friendly start out like, and then, uh, need you off the street, you know, and it's fuck, fuck you. And okay. You know, a couple more cowboys roll up and it ends up, you know, we got to just uh, swarm the guy because, you know, he's just so messed up. But, you know, these guys that are uh, that are on acid, you know, I've had naked guys that are on acid that they're in the street and you get them handcuffed and you're trying to hold them down. And I seriously had one guy that was banging his teeth against the, the concrete or the, or the, you know, the pavement. And knocking his teeth out. And so, you know, I grab his hair, like holding him up to keep him from trying to, you know, of course, what's it look like after it's all said and done? Yeah, yeah. It looks like you're bashing his head in the pavement. Exactly. (laughs) No good deed goes unpunished. So, yeah. I mean, they will do things to themselves that, you know, they'll cut themselves. And I don't know if it's a drug thing thing or a combination of those two but guys on acid they concerned me more than any dude that was on math the guys on acid yeah i don't think i ever had to deal with any of that we had a time you know when uh, i don't know how it is right now but god it seemed like for four or five years these guys that were doing acid were just doing crazy crazy stuff they were always naked <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to keep the guy from bashing his own teeth in and it ends up you know somebody perceive sees something that perceives the whole, the whole thing wrong it looks like you were bashing his teeth in you know that kind of goes back to you can see something and and totally misinterpret what actually really happened right you know i i could look back at that particular situation and go you know if somebody had a video camera or took a picture of me holding him like this and he's got his teeth knocked out what are they going to assume? The worst. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what they're going to assume. I don't know about what you found, Scott, at, at your department, but there was two types of when somebody from the department took a complaint from somebody and they couldn't figure out exactly what the complaint was, knowing full in fact that uh, there's nothing to complain about, but we got to write something down. Right. There's always the two, and it's discourtesy or use of profanity. But the discourtesy thing, you'd be having a discussion with somebody maybe, and you didn't think there was a problem. But maybe they didn't like the outcome of the call or whatever. 
they always took it as a discourtesy complaint. And that was like a catch-all. If it doesn't fit anything else, we'll just call it discourtesy. Yeah, and like how did those get resolved? Because basically it's like a he said, she said thing, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, well, you know, they don't want the department feeling like they're, or the citizens feeling like they're, you know, not getting their due worth when they come make the call to IA. Our guys would, uh, depending on who it was, which sergeant it was, a lot of times the sergeants would just hang up on them. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Those days, at least at where I worked, uh, those days were very early in my career and didn't last much longer after that. Yeah. So we had a guy that was, well, number one, the sergeant was like, you know, not very far from retiring. Number two, the officer was, it already said like, I'm retiring at the end of the month. And so he told somebody to go fuck himself or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so the sergeant's like, (laughs) he goes, what do you want me to do? Like he's going to retire at the end of the month. So, you know, like, what do you want me to do about it? You know, you want me to discipline him? You want me to write him up? Because basically I'm going to tell you, like, there's nothing I can do. He's going to retire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty funny. You do get to a point in your career, you know, the whole, I always thought, you know, what am I going to do the last week when I retire? You know, what kind of crap am I going to try and get away with? <laughs> and, you know, when I came down to it, I never really, I didn't fly the finger at, you know, <laughs> Everybody that flew the finger at me. No, 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 no I did. <laughs> no, yeah, I did last week. Yeah, I did the last week. I did. Might have been my last day because people flip us off all the time. Oh yeah, every day. You know, it's like, and normally I'd go, you know, that piss them off even more because, or you'd tell them have a nice day, or you know, if he's a real piece of shit, I'd get out and say, you need some help? Say flagging me down. You know, that pisses them off. So then, you know, you just leave. But, um, but yeah, there was, there was, come to think of it, some dude flipped me off. And I did give it to him. That's spectacular. <laughs> kind of felt good. Felt so good. that one guy that I was telling you about that was retiring, like he, he called for, he worked motors. He called for a cover car and a couple of us went out there. And that was when, I don't know if they still do, but you tow a suspended driver's car. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this guy's just, and you had to do an inventory search first. So the right. guy's sitting on the guardrail and this guy's, the other op, the officer's like going through his stuff and the kid starts chipping. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> and granted, there's like two or three of us there, you know, with, with him. And for, because there wasn't anything else to do. Right. right. So um, at that particular time. And, uh, he turns around and says, fuck you, you little fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, right on. <laughs> You're speaking for all of us, bro. Yeah. Like, right on. <laughs> like he can totally get away with that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know it's, it's kind of cool when you get to a point where you where you actually know you're untouchable <laughs> you know a lot of guys you get to a point where they feel they're untouchable and they weren't right but 
you get to a point where you know you're untouchable. There's nothing they can do to you. If you went into briefing and you said, fuck you, Sergeant, I'm going to sit right here for the next 10 hours and watch Sports Center. You know? <laughs> they, the only thing they do is tell you to go home, take the day off. That's it. Yeah. That's a good feeling, but you know, other than flipping that one guy off my last day, I really never took advantage of it, I didn't think. Oh, that's because you are or were and still are a professional. I mean, <laughs> no, yeah, but yeah. like uh, everybody we've talked to has been reserved and protective. Even uh, my dad, who's been retired since uh, 2003, like he was, he still like, we started to talk to him about things and he went right back into like not a day had passed since he put his badge on the wall, yeah. you know? And uh, he was still reserved, wouldn't you say? To yeah. some to some degree. Yeah. I mean, he told, he told some good stuff, but. Yeah. But he didn't. Yeah, I guess reserved. He was still him, but he went back into, I just like, I guess what you said, just being professional about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, a seasoned police officer telling me one says, you know, kid, be nice until it's time to not be nice, but you can always be professional. You know, he's right. No, no, that's no matter what we do, you know, if it goes from zero to 60 in half a second for us, rely on your training, rely on your, your, your instincts and, but you can still be professional. Yeah. I don't know about you, but even, even after you know, a tussle or fight with somebody that, you know, they resisted arrest or whatever and got them hooked up. I always went back to being polite and professional to them. Sure. And they never, I I don't think I ever got a complaint. I, I mean, I got complained about, but sure. not in regards to that. Right. You can be professional even when you might be scrapping with somebody. Because to me, professionalism means professionalism means you are relying on your training. I mean, we're trained on how to defend ourselves. That is our job at times is to defend ourselves. We're not paid to get hurt. We're not paid to be uh, a target or a punching bag or anything like that. You find me a, a job description from any police department that says this officer is getting paid to take a chance on being hurt. That's the department you probably don't want to work for. Oh, yeah. You can be professional even in the worst of situations. Just rely on your training, whether it's, you know, a firefight or whether it's a fight. Part of being professional is winning, and no one will ever get me to come off of that. If someone's in a fight with you, you have to assume that they're doing it because they want to hurt you. And you're not doing anybody any good by getting hurt. You know, your job's to go home in the same way you started. And there were days when I failed at that. Things happen and, and, you know, you get hurt. But it wasn't for lack of lack of effort on my part. You have a responsibility to not just yourself to stay safe, but you have a responsibility to your partner if other officers are there. To never quit. Did you ever get hurt? the fight. Did you ever get really hurt? You know, I think I went to the hospital like about four or five times in my career. And most of them were uh, two, a guy in a stolen car rammed me. That was a concussion. 
kind of drunk driver rear end me. That was a concussion. And then uh, sorted, you know, bruises and scrapes that we went to the hospital for to get taken care of. But uh, never an overnight thing. I don't know how the concussions affect me today, to be honest with you. I think about it every time I walk into the room and I can't remember why I went in there. But it might just be age too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, that happens to me still. Or now. <laughs> yeah. You know, never got shot. Never got stabbed. They always missed. So, yeah. They always missed? Did you get shot at? Uh, when I was early. Early in my career. Um, some late uh, old lady with a rifle took a shot at us as we were walking up the street. Thought we were Gestapo. Thought we were Nazis. She was nuts. And uh, she missed. But yeah, it really wasn't. Th- it, that's really where the excitement of that call ends. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you just wait her out until she goes to sleep. Guy <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, tried to scr- stab me with a screwdriver one day. One night. That's gnarly. How'd that go? Bad for him. Yeah, it was one of those things. It it was one of those things. It was such uh, close combat that it was one of those deals where I was doing a pat down on him. And, uh, you know, they don't want to bring their hands out of their pockets. Yeah. 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 He came out with a um, screwdriver, uh, tried to stab me. And, uh, you know, such close quarters that it was my first concern was, of course, grabbing the arm with the screwdriver in it you know i could have pushed him off backed up shot him but you know how those decisions go and the i didn't have any trouble controlling him so yeah. just his lucky day kind of was yeah you know um it was his lucky day um if i'd had a problem yeah it's probably what i do i push him off back up and draw See where we go from there. Because that's what you're trained. Right. That's what you're trained to do. Don't bring a Phillips to a gunfight. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see you, Phillips, and raise you one six hour. <laughs> what kind of training did you guys get then overall? And how often did you train? Like whether it's shooting or tactics oh, gosh. or whatever else. Shooting can be, you know, but I'll speak for my department, but qualification was twice a year. And then we would have night shoots twice a year. So that's four times right there. I used to go out and shoot myself. Um, I don't know if it's still open. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know if it's open or not. I'd go out there at least once a month. SWAT guys shoot a lot. Kind of dependent on your assignment. But if you just were going by the regular uh, department issued training it was probably maybe four or five times a year where i was at yeah we shot four times a year department wise and then of course swat and right as a firearms instructor i shot a lot more than that sure i should say this they had open ranges that you could go to also and i did those why pay for ammo when you can shoot it for free oh (laughs) yeah um so yeah i did that but You know, a lot of that kind of goes back to being professional. If you just went out and just did your two qualifications every year and you didn't train anymore, man, it was on you. 
Yeah, but that's a that's a diminishing skill, you know. Like, yeah, you got to stay up. Yeah, it's a. I mean, you've always like got a certain base level, but if you were shitty to start with, and you didn't work on it, you just remain shitty. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of people that were like that. Yeah. And something like that, you don't get better by working by being well, on the job on the clock. You know. You no no yeah you, you get better you, by practice. You, yeah. yeah right, and that's that's a skill. That's a that's a skill that takes a lot of practice, especially if you are not naturally a good shot or it's like an unnatural thing for you to do. Like some people are just awkward about it. Like, I don't know really why, but they are. Uh, I mean, even, even after they've been through all this training and you guys had even more than we did because you had your own Academy. Right. So, but yeah, it's just weird. It was just weird. Like some people just sucked. And they always did. They just continued to suck. <laughs> you know, and I'm not sure why that is um, when there were opportunities to get better. You know, when I started, I mean, I wasn't the worst, that's for sure. Um, but I still worked at it and wanted to get better. And I got a lot better. It wasn't doing due to anything other than uh, me taking the time and, and effort to go practice. You're not going to learn anything by going to just your qualification shoots. In fact... Most of these guys, they just get more stressed out by it. Oh, yeah, because I had to qualify. Yeah. <laughs> Something's on the line. You know, thankfully, they're lieutenants and above, and they sit in an office anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's going out to all you lieutenants out there. <laughs> um, but to be honest with you, it became fun for me. I liked, uh, I liked shooting. I was qualified with a 357 when I was like six, so. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I took my daughter out when she, after she turned 18, my oldest, and took her out to the Burns Den. She fell in love with it from day one, you know, which was kind of scary in a way. But yeah, she, my second one, she got no interest in it at all. Like I said, the professional part of that professionalism is taking the time and effort to, to you know, keep up on your, on your training, whether it's firearms or defensive tactics or, or anything else. Don't get me wrong, not all training that we get is exciting or even the least bit interesting. So uh, I guess what else does tra- what does training entail when you guys say training? Oh. But basically, there's like the three things that are like high risk, which is driving, shooting, and defensive tactics. And that's, I mean, that's the, those are the things I can think of off the top of my head. Those are the three biggies. Yeah. And then, so there's always those, but then there's... You know, there's like the legal end of it too, which, mm, okay. you know, there's all this case law updates. Legal updates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that like, they're very important, especially now the end that I'm on, you see like how important they are. Mm-hmm. But if you're working patrol or it's just like, it just gives you a bunch of rules to follow or don't do like, don't do these things, do these things. Right. But there's some training though that, that somebody says you're required to get like the state of Oregon. So you're required to get like a certain amount of hours of whatever for every year, you know, bloodborne pathogens. Mm, okay. Right. You really don't have to tell me not to put my hand in the blood. Oh, wear the glove, you know, or to, you know, swap blood with somebody or just to be, you know, use universal precautions, um, things like that. But you get that kind of training too. Okay. And that's the kind of what I'm talking about in terms of um, the training that might not be that 
exciting. I remember we were getting bloodborne pathogens training one time from our nurse and uh, like it was a contract nurse. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, and the liver bleeds a lot. So if you really want to put somebody down, you know, stick them in the liver. And I was like, right on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> finally. I was like, finally some good training. Speaking the truth. <laughs> Yeah. Hey man, thanks for thanks for coming on here again. Yeah. I no appreciate problem. it. Anything yeah. else on your phone that we want to talk, we want to talk about? <laughs> no, no. No no porn, no pictures. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I don't want to turn this off. Cool. The Snitch Podcast is dedicated to preserving the verbal stories of modern-day police officers, your lives in your own words. If you are interested in being a part of this multimedia project, please contact us at thesnitchpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so every show has, like we have, like when we do this, like every show is going to have the hook, you know, to make you listen. Guess what? Oh no. <laughs> the marmalade's in the dildo. <laughs> so yeah. I'm standing there with this big bag of vibrators. That's true. <laughs> there you go. That's the hook. Or it's going to turn them off like, what the hell have I downloaded? <laughs> this is going to be amazing. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure about what your target audience is going to be for that uh, particular show. You know show. what? It's whoever's going to listen. And, uh, we're, you know, we're just going to have a good time. So what have you been up to? I mean, we haven't released for like almost two months. Well, most recently, I uh, I picked up the illness that's going around. Got the COVID. Got the COVID. Got the, ro- the, the Rona. That's the word. That's the what Rona. I, you got the Rona. <laughs> Yep, I did. And you're young and healthy and describe the experience. And how did well, you know? How did you know? To begin with, I thought it was allergies. Yeah. Like, absolutely thought it was allergies. I was like, oh, man, like, my nose is super runny and my eyes itch. And so probably part of it was allergies. But a few days later, I was like, I can't smell. Like, not just... I kind of can't smell, like I can't smell anything. Yeah, so when you went to the doctor, that story's actually pretty funny. Oh, yeah. So I, I walked in to get a test at uh, one of the urgent cares, and the dude's like, hey, like, have you have you been having any symptoms at all? I was like, oh, I'm all right. I just, like, can't smell anything, and my taste isn't all the way there. And he was like, oh. <laughs> He's like, I'll be, I'll be right back. Walks out the door and comes back in with, like, a one of the N95 masks because he was wearing just one of like the blue kind of paper ones. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) We were supposed to go drink beer because it was Friday. Yeah, yeah, it was Friday. I ruined Friday. Yeah, you sure did. (laughs) Well, I have to say it was a group effort because I know exactly where it originated from. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, a little ski trip. Did you get the vaccine with uh, the big microchip or the small microchip? 
I couldn't feel mine, but I started to get a headache a few days later. Yeah. So I think it might have got like caught up in one of the vessels in my brain or something. Yeah, I had a blood draw, and uh, I was like, hey, I, I got vaccinated. Like, Be sure you don't take out the microchip. She goes, I won't. Don't worry. The, <laughs> the needle's not big enough. I don't know if you can hear our stupid grins, but... Well, but in all seriousness, you and your brother got the Rona, and your mom, who's vaccinated, who you're around quite a bit, did yeah. not get sick. Nope, not at all. And you guys were around me, and I did not get sick. Nope, not at all. fully vaccinated as well. So both Pfizer and Moderna work, people. You should give it a try. 